Well, a happy Thanksgiving week to you. Awesome to see you today. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Daryl Holden. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is so good to be together. Those of you who are, this is your church, you're here most weeks. Um, those of you who are new, you're just checking us out. We're really glad that you're here. If you're our guest, it's your first, second, third time, and we haven't met you yet, we'd love to meet you. You could help us with that. Um, we'd love for you to stop by the welcome desk on your way out, and uh, we'll get your contact information. We have a gift for you and love to touch base with you during the next week or so, see if we can help you, pray for you, answer any questions for you, if you'd help us with that. So we're glad you're here. Um, friends, family, of those being baptized today, awesome to see you, we're so glad that you're here to um, celebrate, we're celebrating this together, and so it's really good to be here, it's good to be here, so thanks for coming. Um, I'm excited for us, we're wrapping up this series that uh, we've been in for the last six weeks, this is week seven of this series, it's called Remember. And in this series, we've been talking about things that are important, so we need to remember them. Maybe they're new to you, maybe it's something that is you've, you've learned before and you just need to remember it, refresh that, and live into that in a new way. And so we've been spending the last six weeks, for those of you who are kind of new with us, we catch you up a little bit, since we're wrapping it up today, we've, we've been talking about how we, could, how we could be part of something that is, that is bigger than ourselves. Um, how we could be included in something that God is doing, how we could, we could live beyond the life that we're experiencing today into the life that God has for us. And the key to all of that is, is the answer, is the word yes. The key is being willing to be a yes person, a person who says not yes to everybody, and not yes to everything, but a person who says yes to God and to, and to what he's offering you, what he's calling you into, what you feel him nudging you toward the secret to the kind of life that you've always wanted, the secret to the kind of life that God wants to give to you, is your yes. And so we're gonna wrap up this series today by talking about being yes people and, and how we can take some next steps in being yes people. So here's how all this is gonna go. What I'd like to do is start our time together by kind of a quick survey of some people and some moments in the Bible where, where their answer was no. And so we kind of look at, at kind of what was going on, why the answer was no, and what the downstream of that was, and then a quick survey of some of the more high-profile people in the Bible who, who say yes, who are saying yes to God and what he had for them. And I don't know if you're like me, sometimes in the high-profile things, I, I have to stretch to relate to that. And so, so we'll really dial in to one instance, one moment that's recorded for us in the Gospel of Mark, about a normal event. So for normal people like you and me and how that yes played out in those lives and then, and then we'll wrap all of this up by celebrating baptism together. Does that sound all right to you? This is the point where you say yes. Sound all right to you? Yeah, all right, here we go. We are yes people, right? So, so let's start, well let's start by talking about some no people. All right, so start this yes sermon on no people. First no, it's the first no in the Bible. It was. Adam and Eve, our first parents. It's recorded for us in Genesis chapter three. God had, God had created this world and the world was pure and innocent and Adam and Eve were pure and innocent as well. And God had said to him, like you can have, like it's all for you, it's all for you. Enjoy the whole thing, it's, there's one thing. Don't, don't eat from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat that fruit, the forbidden fruit. Don't eat that. And, and Adam and Eve, instead of saying yes, to all that God had offered them, said no to the one directive that God had given, don't eat. No, I, I refused that directive, and they ate 
the forbidden fruit. And the reason they ate the forbidden fruit was because they thought God was holding something back from them. They thought that God had drawn that line because there was something good over there that he did not want them to participate in. And they thought they knew better. And so they crossed the line. They said no to the rule that God had put in front and stepped over. And when they ate the forbidden fruit, like that broke everything. God had created the world as pure and innocent. They were pure and innocent. And when they, when they said no to God and to the one directive that he had given them, it broke everything. And that first no that our first parents said, that first no is the first cause for everything that's wrong in our world. That, that first no is the reason mosquito bites itch and it's the reason there are wars going on in this, in this world today. Like from the smallest to the, to the biggest thing, that first no, that first no that they said, that first no is the reason you and I, our natural inclination towards God is no. Because our first parents said no, the downstream of that was catastrophic. To this day, for people like you and me, because, our now, because now our natural inclination towards God is a no. And so God intervenes on our behalf and he makes us a better offer and he gives us the ability to see that and to say yes. But the reason that we need intervention and the reason that we need the forgiveness and life that God offers to us is because Adam and Eve, our first parents, they, they, they said this really big no. They thought they knew better than God. They thought that God was holding something back from them and they said no and that no messed everything up. So Adam and Eve, the first people, and there's the first one in the Bible. The next really big no that came is the ancient nation of Israel and it's recorded, this is recorded in Numbers. So Numbers is fourth book of the Bible, chapter 14 and God had rescued this entire nation of people from slavery to ancient Egypt. They'd been slaves in ancient Egypt for 400 years and God rescued an entire nation of slaves and he brought them out of slavery to the border of a land that was a good land that he had promised to give to them. And on the edge of the land, on the border of the land, he said, hey, go in, take it, I'm giving it to you, it's yours. And fear, fear, because of fear, the people of the ancient nation of Israel said no. No, we're looking into that land, no, we don't, no. We're not gonna go where God told us to go. We're not gonna receive what God wants to give to us. We'd rather, we'd rather just make it on our own. Actually, we'd rather go back to slavery in Egypt than have to step into what is unknown and what is fearful for us. No, they said no in all that. And what happened in the downstream of that no was that entire nation of people wandered in a desert for 40 years. That entire generation of adults that said no to this opportunity to step into this land that God wanted to give to them, an entire generation of adults, they died in the desert, and their children, when their children were old enough, they got the opportunity to go into the land that God wanted to give this nation of people, but for fear, because of fear, they said no to what God was offering, in them, offering them and what God wanted to give to them. Another example is the ancient king Solomon. He's the third king in the ancient nation of Israel, and we read about his life in the history books of the Old Testament, so the first part of the Bible. Solomon was this king that God had appeared to him at the beginning of his kingship and said, hey, you could ask me for anything. You can ask me for anything, ask me for anything, and I will give it to you. And, and he asked God for wisdom, and it was this brilliant moment of clarity, and he, 
He didn't ask God for riches. He didn't ask God for like whatever you or I might be inclined to ask God for. If he said, hey, ask me for anything. He asked God, give me wisdom so I can guide your people, so I can lead your people. And, and he began this life of wisdom living God's way. And God had said to Solomon in that, hey, I'm giving you wisdom and because I give you, and on top of that, I'm gonna give you wealth. I'm gonna give you influence. I'm gonna, I'm gonna expand your kingdom. Like you're gonna be a great king. And here's how I want you to live as a king. I want you to live and I want you to lead your people toward me. I want you to live my way. I don't want you to be a king like all the kings around you. I want you to be a king like, like follow my way, follow my rules, live my direction. And Solomon said no. He said no, especially in the middle and the end of his life, he said no to being a king God's way and he was living like a king of all the other nations, all the other kings who were around and he was ruled, Solomon allowed himself to be ruled by his passions, his appetites, his lusts. And, and living out from himself, from his passions and his appetites and his lusts, he actually personally wandered away from God and catastrophically led people away from God. The way I learned it, the words, Solomon had a divided heart for God and the downstream of that in the kingdom that he led was that the kingdom actually physically became divided and for generations and generations, there was always conflict and kind of civil war amongst brothers who should have all been part of the same kingdom. And so he was ruled by his passions and by his lust and that drove his no to God because he wanted what he wanted. And then there's this account, it's in the New Testament, it's an interaction Jesus had with the guy and all we really know about him is he was a wealthy ruler. That's how the scripture identifies him. He thought he was a good guy. Thought he had it all together. He was religious. He paid attention to the rules, the Ten Commandments. He lived those out. So he comes to Jesus one day, really looking for a pat on the back. He, just wants, he wants Jesus to look at him and the way he lives and say, you, you got it, man. Right? Just, he, was, he was looking for a spiritual pat on the back from Jesus. And, and Jesus, in the interaction with him, said, hey, you, you, lack, you still lack something, like you've got a next step. You're, take all that you have, it's this wealthy dude, take all that you have and sell it and give that to the poor and then come follow me. And so, so this guy who thought he had it all together and was living out the way that he was supposed to live it out and looking for the spiritual pat on the back gets challenged in the one area that he was holding on to for, for himself because you know what we believe about money. We believe it's, it's the answer, we believe it's, we know it's not, but we believe it is. Like we live like it's, it's our protection. Jesus was calling him to sacrificial living and he said no to that. And all we know from the Bible that happened was that he went away sad. In that, like just in that moment, he went away from Jesus, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And I just kinda wondered about that guy when I read that because he had, he had this great opportunity and he knew it in the moment. Right? He knew it in the moment because he went away sad and I wonder how many times in the rest of his days he, he sat back and wondered, like, what would it, how would my life have turned out if I'd have said yes? What would my life have been like if I would have, if I would have done what Jesus said and taken him up on his offer? I chose wealth and keeping my stuff. And again, if you choose wealth and keeping your stuff, like all you have is wealth and stuff. It, it looks like it's the answer, but it's not. And, 
And in, in those moments of whatever his life looked like, I just wonder what regret looked like for him because, because the consistent theme through the Bible is, is the people who say no. Nothing good comes out of that no. Nothing good comes out of that no for them personally. Even though you think God's holding something back from me or, or you think they're like, hey, this is something that I really want or I'm afraid of what that yes might look like in my life or I think I've got it all together and that's gonna mess up things for me. But nothing good comes from the no. We think in the moment that something good's gonna come to us from the no, but nothing good ever comes from the no. And, and so, so we hold out this idea of being yes people because the converse is also true in the Bible. Every time somebody says yes to God, it leads to blessing in their life. Every person who said yes to God receives God's blessing in their life. And so there's these high profile yes people. If you went to Sunday school as a kid or you've grown up in church, you've heard most of these names. Great stories, like these are heroes of the faith because of their yes. Abraham's the first guy I got on the screen there for us. And Abraham, like, he's where we started this series. He's, he's the guy that God called out of his comfort zone said yes to leaving his comfort zone. Leave your father's family, leave your people, leave this land, go to this place I'm gonna show you. And he said yes to that vague call of God in his life. And because he said yes, God said if you'll do this, I'll bless you and you will be a blessing. So Abraham gets to live. The downstream of Abraham's life is he received the blessing of God and he got to be a blessing in the lives of the people who were around him. Down to you and me. Down to you and me, because the ultimate blessing that God put on Abraham's life is he was the father, the great, 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 great grandfather of Jesus. Jesus came from Abraham's line, and so we live in the blessing that God gave to Abraham. There's a lady named Rebecca. She, was, she married Abraham's son, Isaac. She's a gutsy lady. Back in the day when marriages were arranged, marriages stayed within clans, people stayed close to home, nobody really spread out. She got the opportunity to, to be married to Abraham's son, Isaac, and be brought into this family. She became the matriarch of the family through whom God would bless the nations. And it, well, the gutsy moment was she didn't live near Abraham and Isaac, and they came back, she was family, so they came back and said, we're looking for a wife for Isaac. And again, in a day when marriages were arranged and Really, the wives had no say-so, the ladies had no say-so in that. Her family looked at her and said, hey, do you wanna do this? And she, feeling the call of God on her life, said yes. And she left behind her family, her people, her place, and went to that place that God had promised to bless and be a blessing. And so her yes led to, again, Abraham's yes led, leads to the blessing you and I live in, so did Rebecca's. Rebecca's yes, you and I are still living in, in the blessing of her yes. Samuel, Samuel's the guy who always makes it into the Sunday school material because when he was a kid, when he was a kid, he heard the voice of God. God spoke to him and he didn't know who or what it was. And God spoke to him three times in one night and finally his mentor said to him, hey, next time, your answer is, speak, Lord, I'm listening. And, and Samuel answered, speak, Lord, I'm listening. And God spoke to him, and that was the first time God spoke to him, but in his yes, 
God continued to speak to him and Samuel became, he became a great prophet, a spokesman for God amongst his people. He was the spiritual leader who anointed kings. He was part of leading and awakening an entire nation, bringing people back to faithfulness of God because he said yes as a kid, as a kid. So Samuel, he's one of those guys. Isaiah, again, Isaiah, is he's another famous one. His book, Isaiah, it's an ancient prophet, he wrote throughout his ministry as a prophet, he wrote more about Jesus' birth and about his death and his resurrection, seeing forward hundreds and hundreds of years. He saw more about Jesus, the future about Jesus, than anyone else we know about. He wrote about those things, and his whole, his whole deal, that prophetic ministry of his started because God asked the question. God said, who are we gonna send? Who's gonna go on my behalf to these people? And Isaiah raised his hand, and he said, here I am, Lord, send me. And that yes, that willingness to be sent by God into what that ministry was gonna look like, that yes allowed Isaiah to be part of of guiding kings through difficult, tense moments in the history of their nation, of speaking for God to the, the people, of writing prophetic literature that people like you and me now read, look back on, are blessed by, encouraged with. Like he got to be, he got to be part of the most amazing things because he, he raised his hand. Like there was a moment, there was a moment where he knew it was God and he said, here, I'm here, me, me, here I am, send to me. And his yes, just, it rippled down through the centuries. And then Mary, you know, we're, we're at Thanksgiving week and we're gonna turn the corner towards Christmas and we're gonna be thinking about the Christmas story and that Christmas story, the angel appears to Mary, a young girl, and says, hey, you're gonna be the mother of the Messiah. You're gonna be the mother of the Messiah. And, and with so much faith and with so much guts and, and courage and willingness, she said to the angel, may, may it be to me what you've said. Like what, what you've called me to, what you're, you're speaking on behalf of God and what you've called me to, like, I'm saying yes to that. And, and so we, we today look at her yes, and her yes encourages our yes, and we celebrate that yes through, throughout the Christmas season because her yes led to her getting to be the mother of Jesus, who is our savior. And, and so, so she got to be part of something amazing because she, she raised her hand and said, like she said yes. When she was given the offer, she said, she said yes. And so again, just this quick survey, there's, these are heroes. These are heroes and, and the moments we know about in their lives that make it into the scriptures. I, I struggle sometimes to relate to those moments. They were in the, in, in the moment. These were normal people. They weren't heroes of the faith at that time. These were normal people and they were living normal lives. But today, today as we look back and these are heroes of our faith. These people are heroes of our faith. And I, I have a hard time connecting to that and to these watershed moments, these defining moments in their life. Sometimes I look at them, man, I don't really ever feel like, I don't feel like there's a defining moment. There's a defining moment that I've been in or that I've experienced. And so, so what, what about me? You know, what about me? What about, a, I'm just a normal guy living a normal life and, and don't seem to have these watershed defining moments what about me, what, what would my yes maybe look like? And so a few weeks ago, I was in my regular Bible reading, and I ran across this, 
this scene from a day in Jesus's life, and it's really a scene that happens with his followers, and man, this is, this is a mundane moment. It made me laugh a little bit as I read through it, and I just kinda tucked it away, and I thought, it was encouraging to me, it was helpful to me, so I'm gonna share it with you for the next few minutes, right? It's in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, and, and this is right at the beginning of Passion Week. The events of this happen on Palm Sunday, so it's the, the Sunday that launches into Passion Week, which is the week Jesus was crucified on Friday, and then the following Sunday is Jesus' resurrection. So this is, this is a really big day. And so Jesus and his followers are coming towards Jerusalem, and we read in the Gospel of Mark, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany, so they're about two miles away at this point, mile and a half, two miles away, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples this is what he said to him, this is how he sent him. Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you're gonna find a colt tied there, which no one's ever ridden. So untie that colt and bring it here, and if anyone asks you, why are you doing this, you say, the Lord needs it and we'll send it back here shortly. So can you imagine the look on these guys' face when they heard Jesus tell them to do this? My first question, when I read this, my first question was like, is, okay, is this a normal thing in that day? Like you would just go into a village where you don't live and walk up to a house that you don't live in and grab an animal that you don't own and lead it away to use and bring back later. Is this a normal thing? Turns out it's not. This is, this is not a common practice back in their day. So here's what this would be like in our day. This would be like if Jesus looked at you and said, hey, I want you to go towards Casson and when you get to the quick trip, there will be a black truck parked by a gas pump. <laughs> Keys are in it. Get that truck and bring it back here to me. And if anybody stops you and says, what are you doing? You tell them the Lord needs it and we'll bring it back here when he's done. <laughs> That's what that is. Now, can you imagine the look on these guys' face when Jesus says to them, go get that donkey and bring it back here, and, and if anyone asks you, you tell them, hey, the Lord needs it, and they'll be good with that. I just draw myself into that moment. I, I, I can't even tell you all the reasons I would say no to that, right? But like, when you think about that, I want you to go towards Casting. When you get to the quick trip, I want you to, there's a black truck at the gas pump, and I want you to get in that, and if anybody stops you, you can you imagine, how many reasons? Well, let's start with, I don't wanna get arrested. I don't wanna get in a fight. That's really weird. What are we gonna do with that truck? Isn't there, there's gotta be another truck, isn't there? Some, surely there's someone that we know that, that, right, you with me on all the reasons that they would say no, but Jesus sent these guys, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke, three of the four gospels all record this story, and none of them tell us which two of Jesus' followers it was, but this is an important moment. They all tell us about this important moment in the life of Jesus. And so Jesus sends them to go get this donkey and we keep reading. So they went and they found a colt outside in the street tied at the doorway. It's just like Jesus said. So some, for some, somehow these, these two disciples from, like they worked up the courage to go to the city Jesus sent them to. And I would love to have heard the conversation along the way. 
What are we gonna do if they try to arrest us? Right? What, what if the donkey's not there? How far into the city do you think we have? To, are we, how are we gonna know the right donkey? What if, they don't, what if they don't take Jesus' explanation? Like along the way, they've gotta be having this conversation. It's what if, right? They're humans and you and I would have the same conversation if we were going to Cassin to the quick trip to get that truck. What's, what's gonna happen here? And then they, they get into the city and there it is. The truck is at the gas pump. Now we gotta do this thing. And, and so, so here they are and here's the donkey and they step into it, so they untied the colt. Some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? You hear the tone of voice. You're a stranger in town, nobody knows you. We, we know this isn't, we don't know you, but we know who owns this donkey, we know whose house this is. What are you doing? What are you doing untying that colt? And they answered and Jesus told them to, and the people let them go. This is just, this is, an this is an amazing thing. Now, if we kept reading, if we kept reading, what happens next really overshadows this little vignette because what happens next is that cult is fulfillment of ancient prophecy in Genesis chapter 49 and Zechariah chapter nine and the nation of Israel had been told, hey, your Messiah is gonna come to you humble and lowly and riding on a donkey, and Jesus gets on this donkey and they lead him into the city of Jerusalem and it's the palm branches and Hosanna and all the Palm Sunday stuff that happens. It was this moment, it was this huge, huge deal where Jesus is presenting himself to the ancient nation of Israel and to the world as God's rescuer being sent to save us. Like it is this, it is this moment, but the moment came from two unnamed people who said yes to walking in and getting a donkey. And, and had they said no, nobody missed like the triumphal entry of Jesus into the city of Jerusalem, Palm Sunday still happens, but had they said no, they miss out. Whoever these two people are, they, for the rest of their days, hey, remember that day that Jesus sent us to steal that truck from the quick trip? And, and we came, and he, remember that day? And then, like, we got to be part of that triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem, and, and like, we gotta be part of the group who said, this is our Messiah. And we got to be part of that fulfillment of ancient prophecy, the thing that we've been looking for all our lives. Because they were willing, they were willing in the moment, to, they, they said yes. They said yes to something that sounded small and insignificant and silly. They said yes to something that didn't seem like it would, it seemed like it was gonna get them in more trouble than it would be worth. They said yes to that. And I'm telling you today, from, from from the smallest nudge to the most clear and big assignment that God gives. Yes, people get to be part of something amazing. Yes, people always get to be part of something amazing. Often it starts small and it is a head scratcher. I'm supposed to go get a donkey and bring it back here. Okay, it starts small and it's a head scratcher but it always turns into something amazing. And if you and I, this, this rings true 
through the centuries, people who are, who are worshipers of God, who are followers of Jesus, the no that we say is, is devastating in ways that we do not know in the moment, and the yeses that we say lead to blessing in ways that we cannot fathom. And so we are yes people. So can I, just for the next couple of minutes, can I give you a couple of things, five things, to help us be and continue being yes people, all right? So I just wanna start with noticing the goodness and the faithfulness of God right now. All of us are experiencing the goodness and faithfulness of God. He's giving you breath. Like, let's just start right there. I know there's stuff going on in all of our lives that's difficult, that's hard, and we are still experiencing the goodness and faithfulness of God right now. He is with you, he sees you, he hears you, he knows you, he loves you. He has given his son for you. He is offering you forgiveness and life to the fullest extent. I mean, we are, we are living in the faithfulness, the goodness of God. And to, to cultivate eyes, to be able to see that, to cultivate eyes, to be able to see the faithfulness and the goodness of God. Because I was thinking about those two disciples who went and got the donkey. They'd been with Jesus for about three years at that point. This wasn't their first day. They'd been with Jesus for about three years, and so there was, they'd, seen, they'd seen his faithfulness to his father, and they'd seen his faithfulness to them, and they'd lived in his goodness. And because of his faithfulness and his goodness, they were willing to go do something that seemed silly, like steal a donkey. It's not stealing, Marie told me it wasn't stealing, but it feels like stealing a donkey. They were willing to go get the donkey. And, and you gotta watch to see, to notice, to notice the goodness and the faithfulness of God towards you in the now. Because he's saying yes to you. He's saying yes over you. And it's his yes that motivates your yes and my yes. It's his yes over us that leads to our yes back to him and to see his goodness and his faithfulness in our lives. And if like that starts, the starting place for that is ask God to give you eyes to see, to give you eyes to see his goodness and his faithfulness towards you. Notice the goodness and faithfulness of God. Second thing is listen for a call out of your comfort zone. He'll call you out of your comfort zone. It, it's a constant call for most of our lives, and, and I think, again, our, our natural response is a no to him. Our natural response is a no to him, and so, so we lose the ears to hear. And so, so to listen for his call out of your comfort zone and, and to be willing to take that, like if you're living in his, good, noticing his goodness and his faithfulness, when you hear him speak and say, hey, here you are, and I want you to leave that into this next thing. I want you to take this next step in your life. That, that's how you say yes to that comfort zone. And when, and when God calls you, when God calls you, 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 when you know it's his voice, you know you've got a choice. Right? You know you've got a yes, you know you've got a no. There's no, like, there's no eh, maybe. There's, there's a call. And, and to listen for that. Because he has a next step for you. And it, it may seem silly or it may seem harder than you could imagine. He has a next step for you and he is good and he is faithful. And so you can trust him in that next step. Third thing is to cultivate a holy discontent. To, to cultivate a holy discontent. Here's what I mean by that. I think we should look around our lives and, and say to ourselves, there has to be more than this. 
no matter what you're experiencing. There has to be more than this. And not in a, not in a I, want, I want more or better or for me and for mine, but in a, I, here's what I'm experiencing in my life with God and, and he is infinite and he is infinitely good towards me. There has to be more than this and I'm living in, however much of his goodness you're living in right now, I want to live in more of this. There has to be more to it than what I've got today. How do I step, how do I get more of what God wants to give to me? There has to be more to it than this. It's not discontent, it's a holy discontent. It's a desire to receive from God more of what he's already giving to you. It's a desire for what he has next in your life. And so to cultivate that holy discontent and to ask of yourself, like there has to be more, there has to be more than this. I, I wanna receive more than this. And then, and then nurture your Godward fear of missing out. We have fear of missing out. Like our culture breeds that into us. But you, you could nurture the Godward direction of that. The people direction of that, how you compare your life to the lives of the people you see on social media, you know where all that goes. And that doesn't go anywhere good at all for us. But if, but if you had a Godward fear of missing out, if, if you're hearing nudges to go untie a donkey and bring it back here, you should ask yourself, like you could ask yourself, if I don't, if I don't do this, what am I gonna miss? Because the no towards God, you miss. Like we miss. And, and I don't wanna miss and you don't wanna miss, like we don't wanna miss out on what God offers to his people on the life that God has for us. And so to nurture a Godward fear of missing out. And then the last one is just to exercise the faith you have. To exercise the faith you have. God will give you the faith you need to take the next step he has for you. you it's in there. It's in there. It may be covered by a whole bunch of fear. It may be covered up by a whole bunch of selfishness, it may be covered up by, like who knows, it may be covered up by a whole bunch of stuff that is not of God, but the faith is there. And if you'll exercise the faith that you have, God will give you what you need to continue saying yes to what he has for you, and yes, people get to live in the goodness and the blessing of God. And so we are yes people. We are yes people. We are people who notice the goodness and faithfulness of God towards us. We are people who listen for his call out of our comfort zone. We are people who know that there's more to life than this. We are people who know that I get the, to get to be part of something awesome. My answer is yes, and I'm willing to exercise the faith I have. God never calls you to exercise faith he hasn't given you. But, but he does call you to exercise the faith he's given to you, and so however much faith you have, like you exercise that, and as you're saying yes to those next steps, you get to live in the goodness and the faithfulness of God, and you get to be part of something that ripples beyond your and my ability to imagine it. So we are yes people. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna pray for us, and then after I pray for us, the people who are being baptized are gonna come up here and for those of you who are part of Christ's community, we're gonna do this a little different than we've done it before. And we're gonna interview them here on the stage, like they're gonna share their story with you. And then after they share your story, their story with you, our worship team's gonna play for us and they're gonna go in the tank and be baptized, all right? So this is gonna be awesome. I'm really looking forward to this. So will you bow your head and close your eyes with me and let me, um, let me pray for us as a church.
So Father, thank you, first of all, for your goodness and your faithfulness to us. You, we walk away from you all the time, and, and you are always moving towards us, and we are really grateful for that. So, so for myself and for my friends who are part of this service here in the room, people online, would you give us eyes to see your goodness and your faithfulness in our lives? And, and may, we, may we live in that faith that you give to us exercise it, saying yes to the next steps that, that you have for us. And thank you for these people who are being baptized this weekend and the courage that they're showing to stand in front of our church and community, their community, and, and declare their faith in you. And for their willingness to engage in this ceremony and this exercise that you've given us, Jesus. We know you have blessing for them and for us because we get to be part of this. And so, Thank you for this time, this celebration. We pray these things, Jesus, in your name, amen. All right, so will you guys like, help me welcome to the stage our baptismal candidates. All right, y'all, I'm so excited for this and for you. Let's see if I can get out of the way here a little bit. All right, so first, Amelia Holland. Amelia, why do you wanna be baptized? I accepted Christ as my savior when I was in kindergarten here at Christ Community. And I have been a part of all the amazing programs that this church has offers, including Kid City, Awana, and Impact. There have been many ways that the Lord has, showed, has helped me in my spiritual walk towards him. I specifically remember one morning with my life group where we were talking about choosing a life verse. I had absolutely zero clue what mine was going to be. And I was having a hard time figuring out a verse that was specific towards me and how I wanted to live my life. A few weeks later, I was sitting in church, and after church that day, there was only one thing that I remembered, and that it was in 2 Timothy 1.7. I didn't even know what the verse said. It just stuck with me, and I looked it up, and it said, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. After reading that, I knew that this was gonna be my life verse because I struggle with being very fearful of things. But this is God's way of saying he has given me the spirit to overcome it. A few weeks later, he gave me, gave me an opportunity. I was talking to my mom about how there was, Mayo was the only high school in Rochester that did not have an FCA or a Bible study group. And I was kind of bummed about that because I really wanted to be a part of that. The very next morning at school, my friend asked me if I wanted to help her start one. It would be a great opportunity for me to step out of my comfort zone and start an FCA at a place that needed one. And now here we are a couple weeks later, right before our first meeting, and just only a few more details to figure out. This was a huge step for me outside my comfort zone, and I can't wait to start. I was baptized as a baby and was set up for a path of faith. I'm getting baptized today that I show I'm taking that path of faith toward Jesus and dedicating my life to loving and serving him and others. That is awesome, yeah. We're really proud of you and we're grateful for your yes that you're saying. Amaya Gatsky, did I say your last name right? All right, I'm working on it, it's good. Why do you wanna be baptized? All my life I've been a Christian and I've grown up and even accepted Christ as my savior in this very church. My family has always gone to church and I've grown up with a very strong faith-based household. 
I would like to thank my parents, grandparents, and all my friends in my life for helping me get back on track and always bringing me back to my faith. All throughout middle school and freshman year, I struggled with many insecurities, and I didn't know who to turn to. By the time my freshman year had ended, I was very far from my faith, and this led me to seclude my feelings instead of talking to God about, about it. One person told me how strong I was and invited me to go with her to Bible camp that summer. This person is my best friend and cousin, Hope. She has helped me through everything, and by the end of camp that summer, I had been the happiest I have ever been. She has showed me how much God can change someone's life and make it so much better. Ever since that summer, I have been trying my best to get deeper in my faith with God, and I believe that that next step is baptism. Maybe both. Yeah. Abby Hewitt. Nope. Supposed to be Abby next. All right. I got I got an order here. Hi, my name is Abby Hewitt. I was born and raised in a Christian home. I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior in fifth grade out of VBS. Most of my life after that, I considered myself a Christian, but never really was consistent in reading my Bible or praying regularly. For the most part, I went to youth group, but none of my friends paid much attention and never sang during worship, so neither did I, because I felt like I would be weird if I did. I went to church each week and did my Bible class I had for school. However, I felt like I would never really get much out of any of it. And I definitely didn't read my Bible on my own. And I only prayed when life got tough. On November 15th, 2019, my family moved to Pine Island, about 15 minutes north of here. I made some not so good friends and did some dishonoring things like swear and not wear much clothes because I thought it was cool. Because that is what everyone else did. Spring of 2020, I decided to join the track team at Pine Island, and I met Riley Carlson, who also goes here, and I'm sure lots of you know her. Riley invited me to come with her to Impact. While going here, I realized that my actions were not glorifying God, and I needed to change my perspective on some things. I became a more confident person and more well-rounded spiritually. Over the last year, being back at Impact, I've had the opportunity to do some amazing things to deepen my faith. On January 9th, 2023, I went to the Minnesota State Capitol Building, and I got the incredible opportunity to share my story about my heart defects to the state senators against an abortion bill, giving every individual a right to make decisions about their own reproductive health. I had several people come up to me and told me that I had inspired them and touched them. There was even someone who reached out to my mom and told her that she decided to keep her baby, who doctors said had Down syndrome, because of my speech. Before this all happened, I didn't really want to go speak because I'm a more introverted person and doing this sounded horrible, but I did it because God told me to. And I'm really glad I did because my story helped save lives and I never would have thought God would use me in such a beautiful way. Since then, my faith has never been stronger. Recently at Impact, we've been talking about next steps. I felt like the majority outcome was reading their Bible more, which is great, but I was already doing this, so I needed to dig deeper. I prayed about it a ton, and one evening, about four or five months ago, God told me that my next step was baptism. I battled this for a while because in my mind, I thought that my spiritual life needed to be quote-unquote perfect in order to take this next step. However, one evening less than a month ago, a day before Christ Community announced that they were having baptisms, God told me a verse. He whispered to me the words, Acts 22:16. I looked up this verse, and it says, 
And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. He told me that there will always be ups and downs in everyone's faith journey, and that baptism was what I needed to do at this point in my faith journey. That conversation I had with God was so cool, comforting, and reassuring. I knew that this was the right time, so I took this step, and here we are now. I'm getting baptized today because I want to obey Christ's command in my life and publicly profess my faith and not be ashamed to do so. I'm ready to eternally commit myself to God and not turn back. I'm ready to do whatever God leads me to do in my faith journey and let the whole world know that I'm a Christian and that I love Jesus. All right, Cindy, we're ready. About two years ago, I met a group of women in an AA meeting that looked so darn happy and at peace that it kind of ticked me off. <laughs> but I knew I wanted what they had, and I was invited to Bible study here. Today, I'm happy to call those women my close, trusted friends. They helped me find a personal connection with God. I'm excited to take the next step in my journey and name the Lord as my Savior. Shayla. All right, my name is Shayla. If you know me, I'm really kind of a behind the scenes person. And if you don't know me, it's because I've really worked hard to keep it that way. <laughs> um, standing in front of everyone is pretty much the most terrifying thing, but I'm here. I grew up in a great church, going to Sunday school, VBS, and even teaching my own, own Sunday school class. I've always known about God and who he was. 13 years ago, my oldest started attending Kingdom Kids Preschool, and I loved hearing them share, share their stories of what they were learning about. Um, learning about the seven flags, or the seven flags, hearing a four-year-old say King Nebuchadnezzar, I can't even say that, um, and it was right here in this very room, sitting in that aisle of seats, surrounded by kids singing, my God is so big, that he reminded me that he wants a personal relationship with each of us. So for the past eight years, I have been uh, not knowing who God is, but knowing God personally. He has been nudging me for a while to take next steps. But it was six weeks ago when Pastor Darrell reminded us our next steps take us out of our comfort zone. So here I am, standing here, very much out of my comfort zone, but declaring publicly that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. So thank you to each one of you for sharing your story with us. We, we treasure that. That is, that is a beautiful statement of, of who God is and how he's moved towards you. Each of these people is being baptized by somebody who's an important part of their story, and so we celebrate that as well. And on behalf of the people who are baptizing you, it's a tremendous honor to be part of this in your life. So I would like to ask you our baptism questions, and um, if this is what you believe and what you're doing, will you answer yes to me? So do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died, was buried, and rose again according to the scriptures? 
Have you placed your faith in Jesus as your savior and acknowledged his right to be the Lord of your life? Awesome. Based on your public profession of faith, we're gonna baptize you. So Andrea, if you wanna start. And while they're being baptized, our worship team is gonna play for us and we get to enjoy this beautiful celebration.
lift our voices as a celebration to the Lord and what he's done and what he continues to do. you 
that was awesome. I'm so glad we got to do this together. Thank you for being here, for being part of this. Congratulations, family and friends, those who are baptized, and for all of you who are part of the lives of these people and you're part of their stories. Like, way to go on that. And what we're experiencing in this moment is the truth. People who say yes to that next step of Jesus, they get to live in blessing, and it flows out into the people in their circle of influence. And so we've gotten to live in that together today. So I'm glad we got to be part of that. So if you're here and you need somebody to pray for you, in just a moment, our prayer team will be down front and they would love to pray for you. So you can come down, it doesn't have to be about anything connected to today, just something that you're carrying, a burden you're carrying. If you would come down here, they will pray for you. and Maybe you'd be able to leave that in this room. For those of you who are online, if you'd click the prayer button, that will get you in touch with our prayer team and it would be our honor to pray for you as well. And as we say amen here in just a second, um, as those of you in the room as you walk out, there are donuts and I believe cider out there as we celebrate the conclusion of this series and baptisms and all the goodness that God has given to us. So can I say a quick prayer for us? Would you guys bow your head and close your eyes with me? Father, we are really grateful that you would let people like us be part of something like this. Thank you for moving towards us. Thank you for Jesus, the life that he gives to us. We're saying yes to that. Thank you for your presence with us. Thank you for your blessing in our lives. We have much to be grateful for, and as we head into this week, thank you that we live, but we're in a culture that is saying, we're saying thank you together this week. So um, Jesus, we love you. We're really grateful that you love us. We pray these things in your name, amen. I love you guys. God bless you. Have a great week. See you next weekend.